Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. I want you to hear now the word of the Lord from the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 12 to 16. It says this, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is the word of the Lord. We say thanks be to God. Hey, the Lord be with you, Tulare Community Church. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here at TCC. We're excited about the next five weeks. We're starting a new sermon series that we're calling The Five Solas. We're going to take some time to go over five of the unifying theological truths that came out of the Protestant Reformation by looking at their origin, why they matter today, and how each points us to the love, truth, and grace of the gospel. Today, we're going to take a look at Sola Scriptura through the lens of Hebrews chapter 4. And my hope is that during our time together, we will be introduced to, wrestle with together, and hopefully leave celebrating this reality. The truth hurts, thanks be to God. The truth hurts, thanks be to God. Now, I invite you to travel with me back in time to Europe. The 15th century has come and gone. The Catholic Church is at an apex of its financial, geopolitical, and societal might. The Inquisition rages on, uninhibited, carrying out tortures and murders upon all those even smelling of heresy. The selling of indulgences, more or less eternal coupons, runs rampant throughout the continent, promising freedom from purgatory and perhaps even hell for a small fee. Johann Tetzel, Grand Commissioner for Indulgences in Germany, is famously remembered for stating, When the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. These indulgences line the pockets of priests and bishops alike. They fill the church's sizable monetary reserves and finance the construction of lavish, opulent cathedrals and churches. Theological uprisings like those of John Wycliffe in England and John Huss of the Czech Republic have made some ripples in their efforts to reform the church, but true waves seem a near impossibility. Tradition and the authority of the Pope rank as superior in the church's efforts of conveying God's will. The Bible has found a position of such irrelevance that many priests, let alone the uneducated masses, cannot even read it in its only available language of Latin. It's a bleak moment in the history of the church. But in the midst of it all, a young German monk is growing suspicious. And as he did read the Bible, began to feel like two and two did not add up to wir, which is four in German. Luther read passages like 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, which says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
And what dawned on Luther and the reformers like him was that scripture and scripture alone needed to reside atop all other attempts of interpreting Christianity. Because scripture was Christianity. Tradition was man-made. The decisions of popes had proven time and time again to be other than perfect. Only scripture was unchanging. Only scripture was entirely without error because only scripture was from God himself. Now, this did not mean that creeds, confessions, and even traditions no longer had any place within the church. They did, and they do, in their rightful place, under the authority of Scripture and under the authority of Scripture alone. That is sola scriptura. And while not the first to advocate that the church return to a foundation built on the Bible, Martin Luther was perhaps the boldest, and he was certainly the most successful. Return to the source. Do not deviate from the Bible. It has everything that is needed for salvation. Anything other than the Bible can only ever be secondary at best. Not tradition, not intuition, not what may or may not feel right. God's word. If it comes from him, then it alone can be trusted above all else. In fact, the other, full, the other four solas that we'll look at over the next few weeks originate with sola scriptura. And so what scriptura changed the world? Instead of being reliant on a priest to interpret it for you, the reformers' elevation of scripture led to immense efforts of translation. Soon, everyone from peasants to royalty had access to the same Bible in their own language. Clergy moved away from being keepers of the truth to being facilitators of the truth. Religious authority was no longer left unchecked. The truth, love, and grace of the gospel was available to all, and the will of God, not the will of man, began to retake its rightful place in the emerging Protestant church. Suddenly all could hear God's voice equally, and true discipleship, not a murky, misguided, oft-abused, blind obedience, was given an opportunity to flourish. And yet, inevitably... Two paths have developed in our 21st century context in relation to the Bible. A Bible, remind you, which can now be accessed in dozens of different translations in English alone. And those two paths are represented well by the parable Jesus teaches about two sons. It's often called the parable of the prodigal son. In it, Jesus paints a picture of a wealthy landowner who has two sons. The older son obeys his father without question. He works hard, does the right thing, never deviates from living a moral, upstanding life. The rules are the rules. They've always been the rules. Older son obeys them. The younger son doesn't care what the rules are, perhaps thinking they're old, antiquated, don't apply to him. The younger son does as he desires, living life to the beat of his own drummer. And today the Bible is viewed much the same way. For some, the Bible is a book full of rules, regulations, and commands on how to live a good moral life. The Bible is viewed in much the same light as we might view an instruction manual on how to put a bed frame together. All right, let's see here. Step one, believe. Yeah, yeah, sure, got that. Step two, don't screw up. Okay, now we're talking a little bit. Step three, do good. Well, I can do that. Step four, rinse, lather, repeat. For this person, the Bible is a means to an end. This person says, I want to make my parents happy. I want to be well-respected in my community. I even genuinely want to be a good person, and the Bible is a tool that helps me do just that. 
That's the older brother approach. Now, the younger brother approach is the one we see more and more of in the U.S. The Bible? Like, that book that people in law and order have to swear on when they take the witness stand? You want me to actually, like, read that thing? Why? Isn't it, like, thousands of years old? Uh, Newsflash, times have changed, society has changed. Nothing in that ancient book is going to help me get more followers on TikTok. For this group, the Bible is a relic. It's an afterthought, it's outdated, it's old, it's unnecessary. But neither of these two paths of the older brother and the younger brother are what the reformers wanted to point the church back to 500 years ago. With Sola Scriptura, the reformers wanted to point the church back to the truth. The truth that is conveyed in our passage from Hebrews 4, verses 12 to 13 say, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The word of God is neither a rote, wooden, static instruction manual, nor is it an outdated, archaic historical document. The word of God is alive and active. If it is written by God himself, as we saw in 2 Timothy chapter 3, then it is the only timeless, absolutely pertinent, absolutely applicable applicable means by which we can know his will, to know his heart, and to know his intention for the world that he made in the first place. When we read scripture, God speaks to us in the same voice he spoke to Martin Luther in 500 years ago. If God is timeless, then the truth he conveys is timeless. If we believe that passage in 2 Timothy 3, that all of scripture is God-breathed, then scripture cannot be outdated or archaic because it is written by the God of eternity. For the word of God is alive and active. But it's also not a blunt, static set of instructions for living a moral, righteous life. Verse 12 continues, Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. The Bible is not an instruction manual. It's a spotlight. It's a mirror. It illuminates the parts of ourselves that we'd rather keep hidden. In fact, rather than allowing us to live a morally upstanding life on our own merit based on our own efforts, Scripture makes it blindingly obvious just how impossible that actually is. Read from Genesis 3 through the book of Malachi and see failure after failure of the Israelites to do just that. Open up the first book of the New Testament, the book of Matthew, go to chapter 5, and read Jesus' teaching in verses 43 to 48. I won't read it all for the sake of time, but here's how it ends. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Um, yeah, good, good luck doing that. See, the Word of God is alive. It is active. It doesn't allow us to hide, and it holds up a mirror to our sin. The word of God is truth, and the truth hurts. But no matter how much it may hurt, it does not leave us without hope. We'll end by looking at verses 14 to 16 that say, Therefore, 
Since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The Bible highlights all the ways we are in need of a Savior and then points us to that very Savior. The Bible calls out the sinfulness of the human heart and then points us to the God whose heart breaks for His children. The Bible actively reveals our shortcomings and then tells us about the one who took those shortcomings upon himself, bearing the weight of our burden because we couldn't. The unchanging, eternal, living word humbles us by calling out the ways we've given into temptation and offers us salvation through the Son of God who empathizes with our weaknesses, knew our temptation, but overcame them on our behalf. The Bible offers us hope because it offers us Jesus. And Jesus overcame the world so we could stop trying to. The Bible shows us how much we are to fear God and then tells us in verse 16 that because of what Jesus has done for us, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The truth hurts. Thanks be to God. So over the coming weeks, this will become more and more clear as the Protestant Reformation and the Protestant Reformers point us back to the heart of the gospel by first pointing us back to God's own voice. So TCC, read the Bible. Hear God's voice speaking to you in the here and now. Don't be afraid and don't be complacent. The God of the universe is speaking to you in those pages, so listen. If you do, it will cut through you like a knife, but fear not. Jesus will be there to put you back together. It is all right there, sola scriptura. TCC, the truth hurts. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.